We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish nations of the Coast Salish peoples. In some parts of Canada, treaties were signed with First Nations that gave incoming settlers rights to much of the land, while in other areas, few or no treaties were signed. Unceded land was never given or legally signed away to Britain or Canada. It was stolen and continues to be occupied and governed by settlers today. As we live, work, surf and play, we are grateful to the Métis, Inuit and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resistance, resilience and strength in the face of ongoing dispossession, colonial violence and injustice. In particular, we wish for justice to be brought for the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls from across our country. We believe that for true healing and harmony to occur, we must reflect and speak up about oppression while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better, we can do better. Freshies, welcome to Permastoke. I am your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to your favorite surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. Take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoke individuals related to surf culture, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join me in learning from these field experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoke is brought to you by Freshwater Surf Kids, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate what makes both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture so special. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our signature tee that features rad monoline illustrations of surfers shredding it up on each of the Great Lakes. Visit freshwatersurfbids.com for yours today. And be sure to check out our stand-up paddleboard school. With future plans to relocate to Southern Ontario, we currently offer basic and advanced courses private lessons, tours, custom experiences, and sup yoga in the waterways of beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Connect with Mother Ocean, have fun, enjoy good company, and the West Coast sights and wildlife as you take your skills from okay to killer with a Paddle Canada certified instructor. If you'd rather stay dry, check out our Great Vibes Yoga Meditation and Healing Program. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony with all my relations. Through movement, mantra, meditation, and breath, our classes reveal to seekers how to merge with their higher self so they may spread great vibrations and the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. We use powerful technologies such as kundalini yoga and the Hawaiian art of ho'oponopono to calm the nervous system and leave you feeling uplifted and in harmony with mind, body, and spirit. 
Enjoy community, connection, and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. In this episode, I chat with Great Lakes surfer and filmmaker Vince Durr from his home in Grand Haven, Michigan, as he reflects on his experience directing the 2005 56-minute film Unsalted, A Great Lakes Experience, which follows him on a road trip around the five Great Lakes to meet and surf with other landlocked surfers. I apologize ahead of time for my dog Mahalo, our 10-year-old Norwich Terrier, as she has a bit of a brief huffing and barking fit early on before I start holding her. So Unsalted, the film, begins with videotaped footage Vince recorded in November 1990 when he nearly drowned while surfing Lake Superior near Whitefish Point. Vince had been caught in a rip current for about an hour, trying futilely to swim to shore, before suddenly being released by the current. Back on dry land, he pledged on camera that he would one day make a film about surfing the Great Lakes. Unsalted combines home movies of lake surfing going as far back as the 1960s with contemporary footage culled from 150 hours of filming. The documentary ends on January 22, 2005, when Vince and several pro surfers from Ocean Pacific Surf Team reached the tip of Lake Superior, 24 kilometers northeast of Duluth, Minnesota in Stony Point, to encounter the biggest, cleanest, most ocean-like wave Vince had ever seen on a lake. The film would go on to screen at film festivals on four continents, with Vince becoming a contact person for surfers around the world who wanted to experience surfing the Great Lakes. This episode was recorded on May 29th, 2020. It is family friendly with only minimal swearing, but no F-bombs. Aloha Vince, welcome to Permastoke. How are you? I'm doing great, Derek. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Right on, it's nice to see you. I find with most of your projects, you're always the narrator. You don't get much screen time. That's right. I've uh, I love being behind the camera, and um, and then yes, I have also been the narrator in most of my projects because simply I'm the cheapest guy around. Okay, <laughs> well, thanks for being here with us. We're uh, we're still amidst the big COVID nineteen. I'm wondering how are you faring during this? Uh, you know, I think much like many of our friends uh, out there. Um, you know, I'm feeling a little anxious to get out and have full permission without feeling like I'm breaking some sort of law um, or rules and stuff. Um, for many years, I I was that um, surf rider advocate, uh, you know, working on access and this and that. And, uh, and so, yeah, this is right up one of those things where I would be all like, in my younger days, just super protesting and all those kinds of things. I've leveled out a little bit. I'm focused on uh, on things that uh, relate to my work and uh, eventual retirement because uh, I want to surf well into my 70s and 80s, and I'm just trying to create that living now so I can do that. But I so I've been working. I've been working every day throughout all this process, um, and um, healing from some injuries. So not enough water time. I am. But I'm feeling better, and uh, I'm so excited to be back in the water and back to uh, doing those things that I love and then inspired all this work from the beginning. 
Nice. So are you guys allowed in the water or out to your beaches? Yeah, we are. Um, so there was a little period there uh, where um, it was greatly frowned upon, but no real, um, no real enforcement, if you will. They weren't uh, um, doing like they were in some locations because obviously uh, surfing in the Great Lakes has always been you know, this relatively few people that doing it, although it's much bigger now than ever before. Mm -hmm. um, it, um, you know, it was, they were just keeping an eye on it and not seeing big crowds being close together. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't as big as it was to stop as it was in places like California and Florida and other places. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So are you based out of Grand Haven? Is that where you live? Yeah, I live in Grand Haven. Um, and so, this is where I grew up, actually. I worked around the country for a little bit, and I returned back here in 2000. Well, actually, um, back in 1995, the end of 95. And I came back here, and, uh, yeah, I chose to raise my boys here and uh, came back here. And this is where I learned to surf. Um, and this is where I came back to. And, uh, yeah, I love it here. Um, I still got to get out to the ocean for sure because uh, – you know, as anyone surfs, they realize, um, you know, you want as good of conditions as you can get. And we, although we can get it really good here, um, you want, you want some ocean love too. So. Yeah. So have you been able to do any surfing during quarantine? So, uh, yeah, I went out once. Um, but like I said, I've been injured. Uh, mm. my son has been going out. My friends are going out. Um, yeah. And a lot of people are going out, but, uh, I had a, um, hip and, and back issue for a while um and then i was getting over a shoulder surgery last uh last summer so overall it's been a uh old man recovery kind of uh year for me but i'm feeling good i'm feeling strong now i'm i'm i'm, I'm so ready to get back in the water you know i'm feeling like a kid again so awesome right on that's great to hear you know and so i watched you know, I've seen Unsalted many times, and uh, but I watched it again last night in preparation for this. And, you know, I still come out of that video. That video is, I have to say, I think stands up as probably the most comprehensive of all the Great Lakes surf films. Like, it's sort of surfing 101 of the Great Lakes. How, how do you feel about all the other films that have come out? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. I think um, I love the fact that guys are out there doing all kinds of projects and, and following up and uh, you know, the technology and, you know, I shot this all in standard definition, you know, yeah. H the HD video and the, and the projects that have been done now with drones and all this kind of thing. I love it. And um, so I am promoting, I'm one of the bigger fans of that, you know, and it was a, it was a passion project that I poured my heart and soul into um that uh as much as i wanted to duplicate uh again you know here and there uh God, I, I think it just was not in me because you know you sort of put it all out on the table it was my best best work at the best at the most inspired time in the project i just felt like you know what else can i what else can i do at this moment you know and uh there, although there's a lot of things to do for other people and me, you know, at that moment, I like, 
I gave it all, you know, I put it all out there on the table. So that was, that was my, um, my opus for that particular, uh, that particular project, you know, it was everything I had. And, um, so I appreciate the kind words and I, um, I really am proud to have had the opportunity so blessed to be able to work with all the people mm-hmm. and uh, to be able to do it. So I, as I look back on it now, it uh, still gives me a really good, um, really good, good feeling. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like you're saying, the films today, I am blown away at the quality of the, you know, the, the cameras and the cinematography. I mean, it is quite yeah. impressive. It's just come a long, long way. You know, I think of Endless Summer, and that's a classic, and Endless Summer 2, and all the other, you know, the pro, the movies that are done in, with Hollywood money and ties to Hollywood and or uh, people from around. Um, and and those those all inspired us. You know, we all have these certain things. It's, but there's like a certain aspect to <clears throat> what I used to call getting beyond the surf porn, you know? getting beyond the pretty picture because um and that's what i look for in all the films that i want you know big wednesday you know had a storyline and you fought for the guy you cared for him you wanted him to get the wave you wanted him to succeed in life as well as get the wave and so i those kind of films always inspired me to connect with the character some way and and really uh uh feel want something more than just see the perfect wave because um as much as I love surf porn, you know, just great waves and beautiful yeah. shots and, and all that. Um, at a certain point, I think we all sort of crave a little, a little more story, a little more, you know, background and into the whole thing of it. And that's what I tried to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it got pretty real, especially the portion with the drowning victim and the mother and whatnot, really illustrating the the darker side of the waves, I suppose. Yeah, I think for. Uh, I think for me, especially at those times, you know, certain aspects of the way that was uh, came out was because, you know, all, like all of us, a lot of many of us have been out there in the waves. We, we've been out there and there's been drownings like near us. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the guys that inspired me, my elder in the, in the local area, um, Doc, he always we called him Aqua Doc. Mm-hmm. He he was a part of a rescue back in 1975 that he tells the story so well. And, and um, it's in earlier Surf Michigan videos. And, uh, you know, that whole connection to the power of the water and how um, how scary it could be, like, and respect that you have to have. Um, you learn as a surfer, you get held down, you get pounded, you get held underwater and all these things, you know, happen. And, and um uh, teaches you to be humble mm. so when you're out there and you know and you can you can imagine what it's like for somebody to be pulled away by a rip current mm-hmm. you can imagine what it's like to lose your board and um, to feel helpless and so as much as i wanted to promote surfing i also wanted to do it safely and i wanted it to be to be uh you know that people understand that man you got to be respectful of this of this big powerful body of water and treat it treat it that way and because a lot of people just you know just head out and uh yeah to get lucky i mean i was one of them you know i've just been picked up and thrown on the beach at um hala eva in hawaii and uh in various places uh 
all throughout the world where like, oh my gosh, I could have broke my neck. Yeah. You know, could have been just once a little bit tweaked one way and then thrown down or dragged out to sea, you know, fighting a, a rip current. Like I talk about in the beginning of the film is uh, when you don't know any better, you tire, you tire yourself out. So it's about, you know, teaching something at the same time as trying to show how much love and passion we have for it. Because I think what surfers have in common is that fact that they're close to the edge, they're close to that danger edge. So there's a certain excitement that comes with that. Um, but then, you know, there's stories of all kinds of surfers um, just recently, you know, in, in the Dutch Netherlands that just drowned five of them, you know, it's, it just happens. Stuff like that happens. Yeah. And you, you know, that's part of the respect you got to have for the, for this big body of water. And, uh, you know, the great lakes, they have their own type of power as, uh, mm. some people mention in the film, you know, the, the repetition, how close the waves are together, the type, type of wave it can be very, very tiring. Um, you know, it definitely doesn't have the power the ocean does, but it can tire you out in another way. Um, and I think people realize that all the time. And I wanted to make sure that that was in there. And then because I was working on a safety video uh, prior to the Unsalted, okay. um, I, uh, I wanted to include part of that story because it was very much top of mind. Um, and those two things went together for me, you know? Yeah. Um, I got those shots from the helicopter of a uh, Coast Guard uh, Dolphin helicopter, you know, hanging out the door um, before drones and before any of that stuff. Oh, shoulder, cool. mount, shoulder mount camera hanging out and shooting that stuff. And, uh, um, you know, it was like some of the most exciting times of my life in terms of shooting. I uh, Those were the kind of things that were my goals to be able to do it, to be able to do it in a way that's like, isn't just, pretty footage it was hey people this is the most incredible sport in the world and i love it but also we have to respect the power and respect the um you know and, and learn about rip currents and understand what you're getting into and and you know that's more more true in places like hawaii and australia and florida and california and other places um where the where the currents can get extremely dangerous too so but in the great lakes I thought it was unique because people don't respect it. Then mm -hmm. it's a lake. Can't be that bad. Yeah. Can't be that big. So they even like uh, respect it less. So they get in trouble. And there were, you know, as Dave Benjamin and other people with the uh, rescue, um, the great like surfers um, the, that work together to, 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 to create, um, communities of people that can know how to save people, rescue people, but also promote education. Those are the kinds of um, things I wanted to promote because um, yeah, it's one thing for you and I to go out in the peak of our surfing health, you know, back when I was 30 and 40 and, and in really, really good shape. And, you know, it was hard then, mm -hmm. but if you're not a surfer, if you're not a surfer and you're going out there and you're, you know, you get in trouble, it's, it's dangerous stuff. So in that 1990 experience that you're referencing in the rip, in the riptide, had you been surfing long at that point? Were you brand new or, or what was going on there? Yeah. So 1990, I think I, I started really surfing in like 82, uh, but I really was just getting started. I was a teenager. Um, I had tried paddling out 
in my local break. Um, I paddled out in Florida. I paddled out in Galveston, Texas on vacations with family. Um, so I had throughout uh, my late junior high and early high school career, I had been trying, but not really catching a lot of waves, not really standing up and just shredding the wave. Um, yeah. but, but I did start uh, catching waves and surfing waves and like, I don't know, as a junior in high school, maybe a uh, sophomore, junior, I started catching and riding more waves. I had a long board. I started catching more. Um, and then, you know, as throughout high school and just after high school and stuff uh, became really big, there was a lot of folks, some of them in the movie that would, um, like the uh, Williams twins brothers and others that would come over here and we had competitions and, and uh, got to compete and stuff like that. So I had surfed uh, throughout, um, especially the latter half of the eighties. Um, by the time I got to Northern Michigan university in Lake Superior, um, I thought it was pretty cool for school. I, you know, a little too okay. cool. School. And, uh, you know, I, uh, kind of went out like I got this, I've been surfing on Lake Michigan for a while. Well, as all Lake surfers know, um, Lake Superior is another, another level. It, mm. it is a heavy, it's a heavier wave. Any wave you get, uh, it's a little heavier because A, the lake's deeper. B, there's just more fetch. So the wave, just like, you know, just because the same uh, ocean wave is heavier than a lake wave, Lake Superior wave is heavier than Lake Michigan wave or Lake Erie or any of the other ones because um, because of the fetch. And uh, so that was like a <laughs> – when I went out there, I had been surfing a couple of days, but this was the first really big – super windy 40 knots sustained um you know edmund fitzgerald sinking kind of day mm -hmm. and um whitefish point is a, this bird beak you know and all this fetch comes around and uh that current that one of the biggest points at the longest point of the fetch has this rip current that spins around after the point it's basically a structural rip rip current by the point and uh I had no idea what that was and what that was because I've been surfing this sort of the same beach break for all these years. And, mm -hmm. um, that it's got its own type of rip current, but this rip current was like none other. So for me, I couldn't understand it. And I didn't know why I couldn't paddling it with all my might I was going, still going backwards and going out mm -hmm. to sea. So, uh, yeah, that was, um, that was one of those moments I was screaming out. I was crying to, to my maker. And I was asking the big guy, like, not this one. Like, let me in, please. Whatever you do, but could you please let me find a way in? And I mean, I was scared. I was just, it was just up to real, real, real stuff, you know. And and then, like I said, all of a sudden, just the board tracked into a slightly different opposing current because the way rip currents work, they're in streams. So they're like rivers that head out on their own, and then the shore of that river is actually the wave, the water going the other way sometimes, or at least not going out. And so it has an edge. And I finally got over to that edge, not knowing. And all of a sudden I'm like coming in and you know, that feeling when you've just been hand, all surfers have it. I mean, some guys surf that I know surf their whole lives. So that super, it takes a long memory to remember when they were truly humbled. But when you crawl to the beach and you're just like, kissing the sand yeah. <laughs> because it's just like you want my god i made it back um 
for everyone who could remember that. And that's what it was like for me on that particular day. And so uh, all that was just pure adrenaline, inspiration and spiritual sort of moment for me that made me go, I will make a film that, that talks about how intense this is because, uh, you know, truly that's what I wanted to do. I didn't really know how to do it at the time. I didn't really know what I was saying um, fully. You know, I had, I had a communication major. I had a film minor. I was going to Northern and, but I was just such a newbie. I didn't really know what I was like all saying, but uh, that's what ended up happening. And that was truly deeply, sincerely the inspiration for, for that. And in a set of course, you know, for, for a lot of my life. Um, and uh, I was very thankful to get in. Now I went back out again, right? <laughs> so, okay. And, I, and uh, I went back out that day after I set the camera up and did that shot and did everything. Cause I literally ran and set the camera up and, and tried to explain that. And cause my buddy was still out there. And, and then I'm like, oh, he didn't get hammered. Like I did. I better go back out there and <laughs> show him, show him that I can catch a wave and not just yeah. crawl in with my tail between my legs. And I finally did get back in and, out and I think I caught a wave or two, but it was nothing like a quality wave. I was putting myself in a very dangerous situation without any clue of what I was getting into. Uh, there was better places to surf that day, um, but nevertheless, I didn't know it at the time. Yeah, wow, that was a game-changing moment. Yeah, the video certainly, you know, I think speaks to the critics. You can't surf the Great Lakes. It certainly gets the point across, at least I thought. And growing up on Lake Erie, I would say that from the locals' perspective, I certainly was told you can't surf the lakes many times. But I don't think anyone, regardless, they wouldn't have argued the power of the lake, though. They still realized the power and potential it had. But I'm wondering if uh, more so the folks who are not from the Great Lakes area may just envision it as sort of a, you know, the flat lake by your campsite sort of a thing, not realizing the, the mass of it all. Exactly. No, I think you're right. You're spot on. Um, all across the, the Great Lakes, those people who have fished it, um, uh, been on it, and seen its many moods have deep respect for it. And um, uh, but I found that even some local people that just weren't going out on it regularly. And then definitely people inland who only get there on, you know, once a year, uh, they'd either go there on a particular day and would either be flat or wavy, uh, somewhere in between. And they would go out regardless because it was their day at the beach. Those yeah. are the people that kind of got in trouble, mm. but definitely people all over the world, the country and the world were like that. I mean, um, and I did include, you know, a lot of those comments and stuff because yeah, you think about that lake and that peaceful, Hey, you know, catching a bluegill and rolling it up to the, to the shore and, you know, and, and everything's glassy and flat. So yeah, the word is just, it's not correct. You got, you got inland seas that have salt and then you have inland seas that don't have salt. So, um, you know, I since then have met people that surf the Caspian Sea and other places like that and in the Mediterranean and other places and stuff. And, um, you know, they uh, they related with this in a way because it was mm. like uh, they, too, kind of understand that 
you know, inland bodies of water like that don't get that sort of respect. And, you know, I've seen big waves on Lake Tahoe and uh, uh, not very sustained and only under when it's just blowing, you know, nuking out there. But um, yeah, you've got big lakes, uh, other lakes that can, that can create powerful waves too. But for the most part, yeah, it's like, Hey, Pacific ocean, Atlantic ocean, everything else, you know, maybe. So that, that, um, that was definitely a part of the driving force too. It's just like, um, sort of like all great lake surfers, a little chip on our shoulder, you know, cause it's like, yeah, you can't surf. You're a knucklehead. You must be, you know, um, and so you, you sort of deal with that and you're like, well, it is what it is. You either believe me or you don't. Here's some footage. Take it yeah. for what it's worth. But it was, it's definitely been a driving force for a lot of folks uh, after me as well, too. You know, it's funny to watch the cycle. Uh, it's been so many years um, since I started making this film. You know, I really started making that in 1990, but it got serious in 1999, 2000. That's 20 years ago. Yeah. So they were doing the same news stories that they're doing again now. Mm. You know, and it's like, because it's a new brand of journalist, right? And journalist is a young guy, usually a young woman who's like all inspired and goes out and does these stories and without really going, did it happen before? And it happened, yeah. you know? So the guys on Lake Erie, like in my film, Don and others, that on, mm-hmm. they were getting the same stuff in the 60s. You know, wow. so yeah. is it sixties and then the seventies and it repeated itself. The same story repeated. Yeah. Itself. Like, no, you really can surf on a lake. No, you really can surf on a lake ten years later. No, you can't yeah. surf on a lake. And it was like brand new every time, but that's okay. It's cool. So it's been a sort of a thirty year legacy, so it may be time for a reboot soon then. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually feel that way. Uh quite a bit and I thought about this for many many times and I've worked on certain aspects of it and you know Derek personally I've like had to feel I had to feel that monumental inspiration like I did from those earlier days because otherwise it's just like you know reboot or not just a reboot but the I didn't want it to be just like a number two so I'm like it's gotta be something big and, and new and different beyond that. And uh, I've been writing and, and putting pieces in, together and toying with it. And I'm thinking, part of me is like, damn, if you don't do something soon, they completely forgot about DVDs. Players will be gone. Off the yeah. and no one will know how to <laughs> even, how to ever watch a film that you ever made. And, and, or so, and it's like, but I deep inside it, the feeling is starting to grow again. And, uh, um, and that's kind of fun and that's kind of cool because, you know, I'm surfing with my son. Um, I got this whole new generation of people out there and you got, you know, stand up paddle boards and kite borders and you got this whole new, this whole new world that's super, uh, fun and exciting. You know, surfing itself to me is it, it's the pure essence. It's the, you know, it's you and the board and, and wave and, and, and finding that rhythm harnessing that power without a lot of extra stuff even mm-hmm. a paddle you know paddles extra stuff height yeah. is extra stuff all these things which i think are great don't yeah. get me wrong i'm not dissing on it 
I'm just like, I love the pure aspect of surfing. Um, and, uh, and the work that I did after the movie with um, a variety of different people that around the world was really inspiring. And, uh, okay, there we go. The, the work I did around the world was really inspiring. And I was like, there needs to be, um, for me, a real, real powerful message and story behind it. Otherwise, there's plenty of people to put out great looking surf footage. Yeah. I mean, that's like a young man's game. They're all chasing after it. For me, you know, like I said, I'm thinking about retirement. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting up there in my fifties, but I, obviously I'll be working for a while, but all I want now is to surf like people I know that surfed into their seventies and eighties. Yeah. You know? And, uh, those people, whether I met them in California or when I met people in New Zealand or New York or, or Michigan, um, you know, the love of the water, the camaraderie of paddling and experiencing and dropping in on a wave, you know, it's unique. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where you come from, right? And I said it in the film, and it's true today as it was then, as it was 50 years before that. It didn't matter if you're a doctor or a teacher or post, you know, hole digger, post digger, whatever mm-hmm. sense, you, you all have that same love and that same passion of being on the water that, um, and catching a wave is, is spiritual for most people in a way that, you know, it just sort of doesn't come right out at you, but it's, it's there and you know, it's special, you know, mm-hmm. it's special every time, you know, I thought I had this trick that I would say, thank you for this wave I'm about to receive. Oh. You know, to the greater power out there, that yeah. higher power, that whatever you have. And I would say that, and I thought that was a trick, but now I'm realizing, yeah, it's also, you can't be t- too tricky on that. You know, you, you really have to earn the, earn the wave. Yeah. And, uh, you, you can't just ask for it. You got to be in the right spot. You got to know what you're doing. You got to put in the dues. You got to put in the time. And uh, uh, that's what makes surfing so fun, you know. Although I'm stoked on, you know, Kelly Slater and uh, surf ranches and all the different things that are going on. Um, I'm all for it, you know, surfing in the Olympics and all that. But there's, we all know there's, there's this super special moment when you paddle out with friends and whether you're on a vacation in Costa Rica or you're at your local break or whatever you're doing, um, and, you're, and you find that moment. And uh, that way just sets up for you. And uh, it's like it just opens up for you and, we all know that's the greatest feeling ever. And we want to repeat, we want to repeat that. Yeah. Um, and I know for me, um, I miss that really a lot now after my surgeries and <laughs> injuries and, yeah. but uh, it never leaves me. No, it's mm-hmm. always right there. So. Can you remember that first wave or the moment you got stoked? Yeah. You know, uh, I've had a few for sure. So I can think back to my first wave on Lake Michigan and uh, I had this light longboard um, that I had bought in a yard sale, and I was in high school. And it just happened to be this like either it was north northwest is probably what it was, or north you know for Grand Haven uh, that doesn't blow right on shore, but it blows enough side shore that the wave wraps around the big pier there and comes in uh, cleaner than ever before. And it might even have been a touch more north. Um, because it goes to north and then northeast, it gets 
it misses us again and goes down, or at least it drops in size. So I found one of those waves, which when it wraps just right, is heavy and it's real. And when I got one of those and locked into one of those for the first time, because I had caught my fair share of small belly pop up late, you know, yeah. wiggle and then catch up. Those waves are great and they were fun and they kept me coming back. But until I like got into locked into a, a real wave, I remember it was in high school and I was skipping class mm. and I did not ever want my son to do that, but he, uh, he knows the story and, and I, and I just, I had that surfer high. I came back in yeah. and I, was, I literally was trying to sneak back into class. So I wasn't counted out for the whole time. And I tried to climb back in the window. It was a complete like Spicoli moment in, mm. in, uh, in Michigan, you know, that classic surfer move, which I wasn't really planning on or trying to do on purpose. I was just literally trying not to get busted for skipping. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but I got caught. But the wave was so great that I uh, it never left me, and I you know I did my detention, and nice. it was great, and, and it was one of the greatest moments. So um, I've had several moments after that where I the ocean wave here and there, a Lake Superior wave. So they all I've got these special ones that stick out. Some of the time, like on Lake Superior, one of the first great waves I had there that stick out. You know, while I was doing unsalted. I had a couple of just incredible waves at Stony Point mm -hmm. and Leicester River um, where, you know, I was wearing the, hel the helmet cam at Leicester River, which is a real brownish water there because the river comes out with all the iron in it. And uh, so it doesn't look all pretty like Stony Point, but it is incredible barreling left and it just reels. And um, yeah, that was probably one of my greatest moments too. Like, thank you for being behind the camera so much. You know, yeah. Every once in a while, my buddies would say, "Dang it, how'd you get so lucky? You you only came out here for like twenty minutes, and like <laughs> later the day comes by and it, and it comes to you." I said, "Well, maybe I earned it. Maybe." Yeah, you knew when to go. Of you all day. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Because I missed a lot of waves uh, while I was shooting, um, but you also you also learn a lot, you know, when you're doing that too. So, um, and I just I denied myself pleasure because I was like, as much as I love surfing, I knew I w really wanted a, a finished project that I'd be proud of. Mm -hmm. I could share with buddies and, and say, you know, and it would like give the, give the sport some respect. Yeah. So I just felt like there was a lot of stuff out there. It was just crappy timing on the photographer I mean, earlier on, or it just didn't get out there. But, uh, you know, I had some, people that came before me though, that shot film. And I used some of that old film in the movie that, um, you know, I, I truly look back and respect what they were doing too. They were sacrificing. They love surfing. Mm -hmm. They, we all want to just get out there and leave the camera behind. Screw it. I'm going surfing. Yeah. But, you know, the fact that you'd stay back and wait and get some of the shots, give up some of that immediate because it doesn't stay good long here and you don't want to give up too much time and that's always the conundrum for yeah. a photographer and surfer because you, you don't want to miss it for yourself but when you do get it it's really really special and uh, um, and I, there's got a guys that did that before me and their work inspired me so uh, like I was I'm kind of feel like I'm an 
elder now, you know, being 53 years old, but, um, you know, the guys that I was working with when I was doing the projects and listening and interviewing them, I mean, they're now in 60, 70 years old and they were filming back in the sixties and seventies. So it's, I love the, the tribe. Yeah. You're sort of like the Dana Brown of Great Lakes surfing. You know, you're not the Bruce at the Bruce Brown level. You're, you know, right. one generation forward. I yeah, thought- kind of definitely when I, he came out with his movie, Stepping in the Liquid, it was, uh, it was right during the time and he included a little section on yeah. like Michigan. And I was like so bummed. And I asked a bunch oh. of the older guys and I'm like, did I lose my window? Did he steal it from me? Did he take my thunder? Uh, away and he's like no and larry and lee and others and other people said no man you just cracked the door yeah i just i said now it's perfect because you just come through and so i had positive people in my uh that helped me mcgilla shouts and all these other folks that that inspired me to keep going when i thought yeah is anyone really going to care does this really make any difference i mean but it made a difference to you know, the few thousand people around the area and, and the world actually that have seen it, you know, and it's, it's one of the greatest things in the world is when I went to Chile and they said the, the surf crew that was there knew my video. And when I oh, went wow. to New Zealand, I met some people that knew the video and then it's in England. Wow. Very, very small, select few people. Yeah. <laughs> like, but the people I cared about, right? Exactly. There were surfers who liked surf films and they uh, they found out about the film and they watched it, you know, and, and or had a copy. So that was uh, uh, truly one of the best, you know, aspects besides playing it in California and Florida and New York and Chicago and uh, Toronto. And on the initial tour, um, uh, having other people around the world and in Hawaii and other places uh, respect it for what it was worth. Uh, I'm just proud to have, you know, like I said, at least taking the time to stay out of the water long enough mm-hmm. to get some of the work done. Yeah. Because that's the hard part for all of us is to, you know, it doesn't stay good long and you don't want to miss it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And surfers are such a uh, niche group, but they're worldwide. So that's really cool that, you know, it's widespread like that. Um, so, did you realize when you started the film it was going to be a 15-year project? No, not at all. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, so I had that little RCA camcorder when I first uh, was filming, and it was like 1986 or 85, 86, 87. I started filming some skateboarding and surfing and this, this and that. And then I had a few friends that were, had been doing it on Super 8 films, as I mentioned before me. Then I they inspired me and. So I'm like, oh, I got this new stuff called VHS video. Look <laughs> at that. I can do an edit right in the camera. <laughs> sort of. So I would try to try to cut together and do an audio dub of it. And and, and um, I created this thing with my initials, which sounds like a STD, but it's VDTV. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I created all these like little strings together, and I would like to share it with friends in college and stuff like that. It was like. It was like so pre-social media, right? Mm-hmm. It was like yeah. and it's like we didn't have anything like that. So it was like click, you know, crack a beer, pop in the VHS tape and try to entertain somebody for 20 minutes or something like that. And uh, 
and that was all we had. And, and, uh, I actually made copies and tried to give them out. Like you, you know, if I could have just created a YouTube video and like, shared the link, I mean, it yeah, been really? <laughs> but it was so much damn work to do the video with the VHS, and, you know, my the raw was on VHS and then you make a copy and it's like crap. And, all that. Yeah, it's like real indie so movie making. I, I had no idea how long it would take me. So, but I was in college. I was in college, and I wanted to do it, and I stayed with it. I got a job in uh, right out of college at a TV station in Marquette, Michigan, uh, right on Lake Superior. I was literally chasing rainbows. I was in the promotions department, promoting Upper Michigan, someplace special. Oh, okay. And. Uh, you know, literally dressing up in a moose costume, doing promos, shooting waterfalls and beaches and sunsets and making all those touchy, warm feeling stuff to make videos for the commercial for the station to sort of just promote the area and the station itself and connect. It. And uh, so that was like a big formative time for me. Mm. Um, and I, so I was learning how to edit, shoot and edit and keep working on it. And I thought, you know, I'll get this, I'll figure this out. But when I said I was going to do it, I didn't have a clue how to do it. And it took me a while. And I worked, like I said, in television, doing all kinds of other projects and slowly kept shooting more on my free time and editing these silly little VHS videos I called VDTV. <laughs> and then, <laughs> which is just ridiculous name, but, um, I, uh, I finally got to a point where I started putting more and more pieces together. And then, and, you know, the nineties came and more, you know, the internet started and, and it was like, um, I did my first surf Michigan and we had this great Lakes surfing forum back in the day. And, and just, just, uh, digitizing a clip and trying to upload it back then was so hard, wow. it was so difficult. And it was like, everything was still tape based and we were still doing all this stuff and it was trying to share it was, but slowly but surely, you know, I had do, I had sold these VHS tapes and a couple surf shops that started to pop up, and and they were just it was just surf porn at that time. Mm -hmm. It was music and video. <clears throat> okay, that's it. You know, a few words here and there, like yeah, stoked. <laughs> you know, other <laughs> than that, it's like no narration, no interviews. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, surf Michigan Volume Two came out, and I tried to do it more documentary style. And um, some of my old friends still say that oh, it's my favorite, dude. You you know, Unsalted was too polished. Okay. <laughs> I, I like uh, Surf Michigan, Michigan Volume 2. And I'm like, okay, I respect that. That's cool. Because uh, it was uh, early on. I was then in doing it more. Like I was 10 years into my career. Mm. Um, I'm not quite 10. I was um, five to six years into my career. And um, so I was getting a little better at putting the whole thing together and trying my best. So I was like, yeah, but this isn't it either. So I was like, surf motion combined too is cool, but it's not it. Mm. Uh, still not what I had said I was going to do on that beach at Whitefish Point in 1990. So I went back to the drawing board and everything else and just kind of um, started working on it. And, um, you know, an old friend of mine, um, that had moved out to California and was back in uh, and started an energy drink company called Excess Energy Drink at the time was like, I really like what you're doing here. You should, you know, and I told him I really haven't done it yet. I want this 
to this big one and he, he supported me and other people supported me and suggested keep working at it, man. So I went to documentary film workshops in Maine uh, called the Rockport workshops and tried to just learn as much as I could watch as much documentary as I could. But, you know, I was still kind of half-assing it yeah. doing the best I could with no budget, you know, just doing the best I could and learning as I go and, and trying to surf along the way. Yeah. So it's just no idea it would take 15 years. But uh, once it started getting momentum after the workshops in Maine, um, and, uh, you know, I really just buckled down and just got serious like 2002. And um, I really just focused, mentally got cleaner and straighter and, um, and just said, if you're going to do this, do this. And, yeah. um, and so I finally got going and, you know, but I had hit a wall, hit a wall, you know, bring it to O'Neill, bring it to Rip Curl. Man, you sell wetsuits. This is going to be a great film. And they're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no one's going to watch this film. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. And I literally had one guy just say that to me and I'm just wow. heartened me so bad. And just, yeah. then I, and then I remember my wife, um, at the time, my ex-wife now, but still my friend, she was like, come on, man, don't let that get you down. Just, and, uh, you know, and I, and then, like I said, a friend here and a friend there and a person here and a person there. And they're all like going, no, man, I believe in you. You can get this done. So finally, it, you know, it got rolling. Once it got rolling, the momentum built into the point where I could finish it. And then it's like, you're kind of going with the flow, right? You're mm. at that point. It's like, it's becomes bigger than you, mm. you know, all this time I was trying to force it my way. Exactly. The yeah. will to do it just like this. And then it's like, Somebody along the way too mentioned or reminded, it's like, you know, listen to people, take some advice here, take some, you know, you never know, this person can help and this person can help be open-minded. Don't hold mm -hmm. it so close to your chest, you know? Yeah. And uh, once I started doing that a little bit more, I was able to get it rolling because by the time I got to go out to California to finish the edit, I mean, that was a dream come true for this knucklehead. You know, I was, I was shooting dumbass promo videos and commercials for car dealers and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait, I get to go to California and sit down with these editors from, you know, Blue Torch, Fuel TV and Blue Torch Television, the early action sports shows out there. And, uh, and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is a dream come true. And so, yeah, then I pointed and started rolling, but man, it took a while. And maybe that's why... That's why I haven't turned around and done it again just like that because, yeah. you know, it was so, so much work, but so loved. Right? So, uh, like, I didn't do it for money, that's for sure. Because <laughs> if I yeah. count up the amount of hours that I worked and what I made, still probably in the negative. What were the sales like on that? In the, I suppose it's probably dwindled out now, but early on, what yeah, that, the what best, that look like? The best guesstimate, because I had people involved in helping distribute at that Towards the end there, and they were selling. They were selling, selling a couple deals through Amazon and a couple of things. I lost track of the numbers because I never, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't even get paid on some of the other stuff that went out there because it was kind of like a trade against some of the work and time that people had put in. And so they took five thousand copies and they sold it in Australia and over the world. And so I think there was about ten thousand copies. So that's a pretty small drop in the bucket. 
Yeah. The amount of surfers in this world, and it's a pretty, it's a very tiny drop when you consider the eyeballs that could be watching it. But yeah, yeah, ten thousand or more. Um, but the greatest thing in the world to me was, like I said, meeting people. Like I said, people I met in Chile and other places that said they could hardly understand it. It was mm. translated for them or whatever, and they still loved it. And yeah, those kind of moments, and then just local people too when i yeah. first showed it in um the waterfront film festival in Saugatuck, michigan on the street um with all my friends and and you know a few thousand people there uh to watch it on the street was uh probably the, one of the best moments in my life ever mm. to be able to go through that so that it's a different world now you know it's i feel i i think it's awesome for filmmakers now who can get their stuff out and they're doing a great job getting it out there. But at the same time, you know, it's this instant gratification, YouTube, click on it, show me now, I'm done, moving on. Work. Yeah, yeah. And back then, it was like, no, this is the film. It's on a tape. I have to bring it to you and put it in. It's so and physical. then hit play. And you get the popcorn out. You sit your ass down. <laughs> yeah. So those things, those things are, uh, you know, Hopefully we'll get back to it because I think surf movies are so much fun when enjoyed together. Um, and maybe after COVID and the rest of this nonsense, it'll be even uh, more appreciated. I hope so. I think yeah. it will be for sure. Any plans for it to go digital or be available streaming somehow? Or Yeah, so I had a couple of partner uh, partners that kind of didn't follow through. And I had some things. And then I had some... Uh, issues with music copyrights that didn't want to extend okay. so to go to go global uh streaming wise um there were some music rights issues as you know i've got some pretty cool songs in there yeah. and um and some of them i had a time limit on so like the dvds that are done were allowed uh, okay. going a lot beyond that but uh, uh no uh, part of what i'm working on and part of what i'm doing is is uh is the is the is the ability to follow up on that and re-release the first one unsalted as I as I um, release whatever is next whatever that is exactly called so yeah uh, and uh, as my my ex-wife and the boy's mother my boy's mother said at the very end of the film you know hmm, I wonder what is next and as I as I think back about that and uh, yeah I thought yeah. Okay, it took a kind of a massive change and shift for me to like um, feel like I really want to do it again. Yeah, right? because um, like I said, people think a lot of things. They think you know, but I think differently of people like Dana Brown and other folks. And you realize, you know, the, the, that's not glamour. That's not Hollywood. That's not like you got everything and you know, all this money and all this perfect lifestyle. It's like, it's hard work mm -hmm. and you struggle to get it done and to get the funds and to get everything to happen the way you need it to happen. And, and it's a risk. So financial risk for you to put it out there and make it and, and everything else. So that's the other thing about that's challenging in these days for, for filmmakers is they need to getting the right music uh, securing all those rights for distribution and getting it out there and still owning a piece of it at the end is like, 
that's the magic. That's the secret. <laughs> you know, so. so what was the turning point? What got the attention of, say, Surfer Magazine or OP? How did you get those partners on board? Yeah, just like I said, a lot of um, knocking on doors and being persistent, hmm. being a pain in the ass, really. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, hey, this is Vince again. Uh, you yeah. know, earliest email days. Um, you know, as you think about it, it was 20 years ago, sending these emails out um, with pictures that were looked like crap. And, you know, because you couldn't send these giant files that we do now and, and all this other stuff. But then, uh, Chris from Surfer Magazine made a trip out here and I made it part of Surf Michigan Volume 2 and I did interview him out here when he was out here so that was 2000 like, yeah, 2000 I say and uh, so he got a taste for it and he did like this cross country trip you know um, and he was going to surf these various spots across the country end up in the east coast and everything else and write about it so he made this place a stop and uh, a variety of friends of mine, like Eric Holt and many other people who are always like listening and reading and following up what's going on and say, hey, did you know so-and-so's coming into town and, um, you know, alert me to it or whatever. And, and we'd interview them. And they'd take them out surfing and then they'd be like, hey, there's something here. This is kind of cool. So those kinds of things, you know, it took somebody being interested and in trying it. Chris paddled out and uh, he... Uh, Road right here in Muskegon on a really sloppy, nothing special day, chest high waves, windy, um, not very clean, but, you know, with some power, decent power. But he found this little section and he was just working it and smacking it and riding it like everyone was like, and I was filming it. And uh, so when I made that film of him and then put him in the whole thing, I sh obviously shared copies with him. And he thought, yeah, that's cool at all, Vince. But like he says in the film, yeah, that's not going to go very far unless you can really sort of bring it up a notch. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I knew Lake Superior had a lot more surprises out there, mysteries, hidden spots, secret spots that were to be discovered. And um, after doing more and more research with some of the guys from Duluth and eventually meeting them and getting up there, you know, the first pictures were like literally out of a shoebox in the back of the trunk, you know, somewhere just like someone going, hey, look, look at that. It's a real wave, you know? And uh, so those kinds of things, that's how it started. And I'm like, man, if I could just get on that wave where it's like really got a barrel and it stands up and it's clean. And if I could just get those shots, this film would really get going, you know? So it was that sort of motivation got it going and then once we got a few shots and pictures and snaps and we sent it to him and then i took i made the trailer i got the little promo together as a dvd of course uh on a trailer and i printed the label of the dvd that i stuck on with my inkjet printer <laughs> took everything down there and walked into the doors and just literally knocked on the doors of op and we're like thanks to a friend here in holland named eric holt had a connection to somebody who had a connection got me to the main guy it was like okay. four surfers that connected to open that door <laughs> so i never did it directly i did it with help and uh but that door opened and he, he looked at me and uh he's like damn you came prepared and nice. cause i had a, i had a brochure I had a dvd i had and i was like and here's how much money i need and he's like 
Sure, no problem. Wow. Oh, did I say that number? I really <laughs> wanted to ask for double that. Can I have double yeah. that? <laughs> Too late. It was like I couldn't ask for double that at that point. And um, and I realized like, man, because I had been beaten down so many times before that. Yeah. When I asked, when I did funding, you know, I did like in PDS style funding through grants. I rejected. I did mm. cor- corporate style funding. Uh, through the wetsuits, O'Neill and Rip Curl got rejected. Um, but uh, OP, OP was the first one to listen. It's weird because it's such an old, iconic brand. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of at the end of their life, too, actually. It was right before they dismantled the team and everything else. So the fact that I was able to do that, meet those people, and, and uh, it just, it was so special when we got it going. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the fact that I had their support, I was just, I was all in at that point. Yeah. It was just like, I couldn't have been happier. And that was like working so hard to con- make sure I didn't screw anything up because I'd worked a long time to get to that point and to have these guys come and fly in, you know, drive around in this beat up motorhome that I had purchased for like three grand or five grand something. Mm-hmm. It was like, like, really, you're going to put us in this? This is going to break down. Dude, I don't <laughs> trust this. You know? like, I just got it tuned up. We're going to be good. I got my air pressure gauge. Make sure we don't blow a tire. We'll be good. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's it happened through many people. And through, like I said, it was like there was a lot of people pushing me forward. And I couldn't have done it without their help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must have been really validating. And I think with the surfer magazine element, um, that sort of brought in, I like that angle of the movie. It sort of turns it into a sort of parallels it a little bit with endless summer, you know, searching for that perfect wave, but on the great lakes. Right. So that day in Stony point, were you, did you get out there as well or? Yeah, it was there and I had coordinated the whole thing and, you know, leading up to the storm as I was watching it and looking at the seven day outlook and then the five day. And I'm like, okay, guys, I think this could be it. I think this is going to be the big one. We had tried many times in November and December of that year, but it just didn't come together. So it wasn't until that January 22nd. And, uh, and I had them basically on hold ready to buy a plane ticket. But, um, and so they flew into Minneapolis. I met them there. I drove by myself all the way to meet the photographer and the surfers and stuff like that. And then I met up with the guys, the locals there too, and they helped put us up. And then, you know, they always took great care of me because I had done a scouting trip up there twice before that. Okay. uh, Where we found some decent waves, but we're waiting for the epic day. So I was on the phone with the locals. I was checking the forecast. I was doing all that stuff. And I literally, there's that scene of me driving, you know, um, and this so whiteout, I shouldn't have grabbed the camcorder and, you know, took my hand off the wheel, but I did. So that was me filming myself driving <laughs> through a snowstorm <laughs> and a whiteout on my way to the airport. Yeah, probably oh, highly boy. illegal now. Yeah, way, way, not a good idea. But nevertheless, I got there and picked him up and, you know, and then so that whole snowstorm, just like typical, as that moves through, it left a few feet of snow on the ground, but it had had been blowing east, northeast, and then went northwest. And that is, that's when it clears. The, the sun came out. Uh, there was still like ice chunks floating around, um, but the waves were rolling in and they had been coming across. When they come all the way 
from east to west on Lake Superior, especially that direction. It's kind of opposite. We mostly mm -hmm. get west to east. Um, it's uh, it's powerful in a winter storm like that. And then um, the water's so cold and deep that it moves. And once the momentum goes, it keeps coming for a while. So the window there lasts longer and the wave was decent. And we had, you know, a good day and a half of surf. Um, not quite that, but pretty close. And, uh, and it was, a, you know, it was one of truly great moments in my life. And I just remember, it's like you were like a little kid because I was not cold. I should have been cold. I was standing in my wetsuit, booties and wetsuit filming in the snow. Like, <laughs> why didn't I put boots on, like heavy boots? I, I was freezing. And then I went in the water and then I filmed in the water and got a few sh shots, you know, neck deep in water. And that's cold. And you're filming neck deep in Lake Superior in January 22nd like that. That was the coldest thing I ever did. But I was so damn excited. I knew yeah. this was like, what's that moment, you know, when you're like, I've been waiting for this moment for so long. And then you realize it. It's like you wake up, you know, you're in your dream and you took control of your dream. Like, shit, this is the dream. And I just realized it. That is the coolest thing ever. Wow. That, that that moment for me just yeah it gives me goosebumps to this day so yeah yeah and i was checking out stony point on a map you know and you know to the untrained eye it, it sort of looks like it's kind of tucked away in this corner sort of unsuspecting but i suppose with the longest length of the lake is that true is that why it gets so big there so yeah so because stony point is on the northwest shore um they call it the north shore up there um, it takes an east and a northeast wind to blow the waves over, right? So it's because it's traveling from east to west, and then the water is so deep, like eighteen hundred feet deep in the middle. So, um, and there's these literally like canyons right out in front of that area where the water stays eight hundred feet deep, and then two hundred feet deep, and then right up close to shore it stays two hundred feet deep. Well, that's what makes it so unique compared to many of the beaches you and I, Lake Erie and Lake Michigan, mm -hmm. have shoaling or sand beaches mostly, and they go out gradually, right? Okay. Still be, you know, Lake Erie's still, what, 300 and some feet deep, 350 or whatever it is. Um, and Michigan can go 900, but it takes a long time to get there. The thing about Lake Superior, especially on that side, is that they were it's rock canyon, right? It's granite and igneous rock that is carved out by the glaciers and stuff and it's like so then it comes up to shallow really quick so that swell in the cold water is rolling uh, rolling from east to west and then the wind turns offshore and it hits that rock shelf which is not unlike the north shore of hawaii in a way just a tiny version of it and that's why you got like deep deep water coming in the super shallow water without a lot of shoaling so that's what makes it stand up and throw that barrel. And that's why, you know, those guys, I mean, Joe Curran and Ron Hoosenstam and those that surfed that wave both were like, oh, cow, this wave has balls. You know, it's got real, I feel like I'm getting hammered on the ocean. Man, but it's cold as hell. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I'm like an ice cream cone headache and all that kind of thing. So that part of it is... uh was so you know incredible special about it but it's a unique spot in and of itself 
Now, there are a lot of hidden spots they've found since then, and I love to watch their films. And then there's a new guy working on a project right now that I'm so excited for. I think it's very, very cool to see all of them doing that because I want everyone to have that experience. If they want to chase that dream, you know, to make that film and to make it super inspiring and, and, and makes you proud as a surfer to, to love surfing, then um, more power to them. Yeah, yeah. So Unsalted, so like we said, 15-year project, and now it's been 15 years since the release. So 30, yeah. 30 years altogether. I'm wondering, you, you mentioned uh, an ex-wife. I'm wondering what has stayed the same and what's changed since uh, the release of Unsalted? So, uh, you know, the, the project and the way I work as a person, I was a very obsessive person. So okay. <laughs> I, I was I was just like, I was all or none, you know, like an addict. I was totally addicted to work. I, um, I did everything to the extreme, you know. So when, when I went, I would go hard. And everyone would say, oh, my gosh, you know, find a balance, Vince, you know, metal. Yeah. And, and so for my ex, that was one of the reasons that, um, you know, we split. And uh, that's so that part of me remained the same in the sense that I, I've, I've worked like that for a long period of time. Um, there was that passion, you know, I, I, I would really, really fall in love with something like that. And that's I think a lot of surfers feel that way in certain aspects of it, certain parts of their life. They're like, oh, my gosh, I got to get out there. I want to go. I want, they're just pushed, they're motivated so much. And it's a healthy addiction. Yeah, but it's an it's an addiction. Um, and so, you know, since that time too, I also battled alcohol addiction and, uh, and because over years I didn't realize it was sneaking up on me, like a lot of does for a lot of people. And I've met a lot of wise old surfers, not necessarily all old, but since then, I'm like, Oh, you felt that way too. And yeah, it's like, we don't, we still love the same things. We love surfing. We love doing these things, but we don't, we don't need to do it with a, with a product, you know, alcohol or anything else, because it just gets in the way of what you want to do. So yeah. that, that part has changed. I'm not the beer guzzling uh, surfing guy that I was before, but I'm still mm -hmm. the same surfing guy. I'm still the same person. Well, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm just a, a few pounds lighter because of, um, <laughs> I don't have cases of beer tried one with me. Yeah. That said, that said, uh, all of that stuff, you know, I've been the same person since I was 16 years old making these films, you know, mm. and um, I wanted to do the same things with it. And I still am at 53. I feel like a, that kid. So yeah. um, that's the same. I have a new wife. She's awesome. We're, we, uh, we love our kids. Our kids are in college. Um, you know, I got to surf with my son in Puerto Rico and I got to go to these places and do things and I'm trying to pay for college and figure out a retirement. So I feel like I'm an old man, yeah. but at the same time, I work for a great company uh, and I am proud to do what I do, but I know this is my, this is my second act again. You know, whether, whether I'm 53 or 63, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow up on this because this is what I love. This is what I really, really love. So, um, so to everyone out there that I worked with, I filmed and I shot because I had a chance to travel the world on projects that I didn't get the footage out a lot. It was on Fuel TV. It was on a variety of different things, but it never got released. And so 
I went to the Canary Islands and Chile and New Zealand and, you know, Port, uh, Portugal and Spain and Japan. And um, I shot all this footage and it was for another project that wasn't mine. So all that stuff is out there. It's part of my story in this next phase, just how I get it to be, get it all worked out the way I want it to work out is what I'm working on now. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm going to call up the inner Vince, the old Vince, that, that <laughs> guy, super obnoxious saying, sending out emails. Hey, will you support this movie? Will you support this? Because that's the guy I need right now to help uh, get it done. Because for a little while there, I lost some, lost some energy. Um, I think we all can lose our path once in a while, but the greatest thing in, in life is that, you remember the things that are important to you. Mm. You remember, and surfing has been that that piece that always fixed the problem. If you were sad, if you were bummed out, if you were pissed off about work, if things weren't going your way, and you had a really shitty day, but that, you know, you paddle out and you catch a wave and things just, you know, it just changes your day. Just, and I, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't have to, every surfer knows that. Oh yeah. And, uh, and that's the greatest gift we have. So, uh, yeah. So what's stayed and what's remained the same. So, you know, at heart, I'm the same surfing kid that I've always been. Um, I'm inspired by waves. Um, I love, love, love the car. When I snowboard, I pretend I'm surfing. Um, I'm still that way. I, uh, <laughs> I ride really old board. Um, I ride an old snowboard. I ride an old surfboard. Um, so I guess I don't change a lot. I'm not like super yeah. techie guy. Yeah. So a lot of things stay the same, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're I'm still great friends with my ex-wife and so is my, my new wife is a great friend with my ex-wife. And oh, wow. That's one, that's one of the greatest blessings I could have, you know, because yeah. it's, my son doesn't get caught in the middle of my sons don't get caught in the middle of any weird BS. Um, so all that stuff's good. And I think back now and it's like, when, uh, for me, all these opportunities, all these things that came my way because of somebody kind of being inspired by something that you did, but then that they inspired you and it was that connection. And, uh, and that's, that's what I'm hoping is, uh, it's going to happen again. And I'm sure it will. Like I said, I've been, uh, I got kind of lost there for a little while. Um, and, uh, you know, just, too much drinking and too much sort of working hard and just losing track. Yeah. And uh, you get out of, you get out of sorts. And, and so many of my friends, you know, warned me of that back in the day. It's like, Hey, when you're kind of like me, you're like a super addictive personality. So just be careful. And I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got this, Yeah, you know, and then you realize it sneaks up on you. Like, Oh no, that's uh, they were saying the right things. So if anything, this whole project taught me, like I said, being grateful for what you have. And for me, it's like waves here. I'm being, I'm grateful for the waves here. And I'm super grateful for every trip I got to take since then. Um, and places that I've got to surf and go out and for the people I met along the way. So, um, I would like nothing more than to, um, make it so that I can give my gifts again or use my, Use my particular skill, I guess, what I bring to the table and, and work with others again to do something that might follow up on this because average people like you and I, 
just experiencing that story um, and appreciating that story. Um, and that was, uh, that's the beauty of it. Like I said, all these people um, that you are out in the water with, they could be a bus boy and a mechanic and a doctor and a lawyer. All those people will share the same love and the same, same respect and yeah. for the water and the same love and passion for it. Yeah. That's the cool thing that, you know, I love. And, it, and in times like this, it's even more important to remember, you know, yeah. it's like there's these kinds of world, this kind of world sometimes where it's always been challenging. We've always had wars and always had BS going on, but, um, you know, it's important to remember the good things and be grateful for what you got. So, yeah, it, it's been interesting talking to, you know, since I started this podcast, talking to different surfers, I don't know if it's a surfer thing, a great lake surfer thing, maybe, you know, just being a guy, I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm hearing these parallel stories and they line up with mine too. And, you know, when I was in high school, I was given the name hardcore because same kind of thing, just, you know, giving it 110%, right? Like if I'm going to do something, I'm in all the way. And unfortunately at that age, some of it's pretty destructive. It's mostly like partying and, you know, jumping on cars and doing ridiculous things. And, you know, and so when I became a surfer in my last year of high school, you know, that, that was no surprise. Um, but then also alcohol, you know, again, that's something, okay, if I'm going to do this, it's going to be super intense. So I'm actually coming up to nine years of sobriety in July. So I also had some issues with that. And, you know, speaking to Jack Norgren as well, you know, he had struggled with substance use, but also, you know, surfing the way he talked about surfing was his God and was in way in the way of his relationship with his wife. And it just makes me think because right now I'm living in Vancouver and my wife and I are aiming to move back to the Great Lakes area. And, you know, for me, the move is based fully on where's the best surf in Canada for me on the Great Lakes that's within a closer proximity to my family, um, you know, but, but far enough away and has good waves. So it just makes me be mindful of, uh, okay, you know, make sure your priorities are all lined up properly when you're doing that as well. It's not just the waves, but yeah, they sure are an awesome bonus to have. You know, I, I, some of the greatest, moments I remember is traveling around like Superior and Lake Erie and Lake Huron, um, you know, going through Canada and exploring Tobermory and Bruce, you know, the Bruce Peninsula and all that whole area, Manitoulin Islands and the Benjamin Islands. And I, I just love what Canada has in that long those shores. So I, um, I know you'll, uh, when you find it, go back there. Now, Vancouver is one of my favorite spots too. I mean, I went to Whistler and Blackcomb and I thought that was the greatest thing ever. And then over on Whidbey Island, um, Drew uh, Campion was one of the, Drew Campion was an early promoter of the movie for me. He lent his name and positive comments after watching the movie and helped me um, get reviews and everything else. And he, he lives up there in solitude on Whidbey Island. I would probably think he's still there. I, I actually haven't talked to him in a long, long time, but I love the area you're at. Uh, and I love all of Canada. Um, so, you know, wherever you end up, whether it's yeah. east or west, uh, you got a great country there. Um, we're all quite je jealous of that in, in the yeah. U S a lot of times. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, if I were to make a move, it's either to Tofino, BC, which I don't think my wife's down with, or somewhere back on the Great Lakes. I'd probably be getting more surfing in if I was living back on the Great Lakes than I am here right. in Vancouver because of you yeah. know the ferries and yeah. the bus and everything like that. But yeah, well, we've come up to our time. Vince, we've literally only scratched the surface of the questions I had. This interview has been superb. I appreciate your time and, uh, you know, unsalted to me. Yeah, it's came, um, you know, I started surfing in about 1999. So it was fairly, you know, early on when I saw the film. And I think for me growing up in Canada, you know, aside from uh, Paul Kevlin and uh, Dean Williams would come over once in a while and, and a few other guys. For me, I really felt quite isolated, you know, and uh, that was still very early internet days, wasn't in social, wasn't on social media. Um, so I really felt like I was the only surfer in a sense. And so watching, you know, films like yours, reading, you know, the book Surfing the Great Lakes, it it let me know I was part of something bigger, you know, and also growing up in Canada, you know, in a broken home um, without that male influence, like hockey was not a thing for me. You know, the hockey players were all dicks at school to me. So organized sports were not my thing. So surfing was all of a sudden this expression that I had. And so I thank you for, you know, being a part of that in a way, playing a role. And I really think that Unsalted is, you know, you made the Keanu Reeves Swayze point break. <laughs> so don't mess, don't, don't mess it up with the, uh, you know, 20 yeah. years later reboot or whatever. It's, it's, it's yeah, pure. It's you. really good. That to me is, uh, th those are welcome words. Yeah. Cause I, I do think about that a lot and I've, I've written drafts and outlines and other things and I just keep going okay well, well how's that different than what you did here and and is there enough there to make it stand on its own in a new way and so those are things I've been thinking about and writing about and uh, yeah. on my own as I as I just you know age uh, and uh, become a, a dad of college students and all that because uh, it was just the other day yeah. and uh I was off running this to Sony Point and my son was, you know, five years old and and uh, all that stuff is just, it's a crazy how fast it flies. But at the same time, you know, my youngest, he's watched the movie dozens of times and loves it. And, uh, you know, and uh, when he goes out and I took him out surfing in Puerto Rico and other Costa Rica and other places, you know, he surfs way better than I do <laughs> and catches waves all the time. Yeah. And I just think about it and it's like, for all kinds of people, it gave them kind of like a, a new burst or at least a, opened up some ideas about different places they could go. So I had people do that for me, and uh, I did that hopefully for a few people, and there'll be new guys that come along and do that for the next generation as well. So it's all cool. All good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to be starting my own adventure here, you know, trying to, to really be a player in the community. So, um, but yeah, there's definitely some, some great role models out there. And you mentioned the Williams brothers, and I really enjoyed their footage in the film, the 1960s footage and, you know, playing around on that, like, police scooter i've never seen anything like that it's way before my time but it's good that's good stuff i know yeah. 
like I said, I couldn't have made the film without um, support of all my friends and several people in several places turn you on to the next group. And then they turn you on to the next group. And you, you know, that's the great thing, you know, Hey, I serve this guy. Hey, I serve for this doctor. I know that he does this and like, you know, let's go out and surf and talk to this guy. Let's talk to this person. So, and that's how I met, you know, pastor yeah. Jack, who's been on your show and, you know, and he is one of my ultimate role models. I look up to that guy so much and i i'll never forget what he said to me personally which was you know vince just always remember to try to surf into the light you know start at dawn start in the dark mm -hmm. but surf into the light go into the day and uh, rather than at night because in hawaii where he would surf the reefs are extremely scary and sketchy and you have a long paddles and you cut yourself and you get net hurt and you get a lot of things and you got sharks and other things yeah Going into the morning and into the light was uh, a metaphor for me um, to keep it positive, to keep it all good. Um, so I'll never forget people like him and others that have um, that I've worked with over the time. So yeah, hopefully, well, that's all a film does is just pass on um, those little good inspirations from all your friends. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a cherished time capsule, Vince. Thank Mahalo you. for yeah. being here. We're going to meet again. It's not going to be in another 15 years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, I love what you're doing here with this podcast. I think uh, I fully support it. And uh, yeah, and I hope, wish you the very best, whichever direction you end up, uh, east or west. Um, you know, hope for the best. Yeah, right on. Thanks, Thank you man. very much. Stay stoked. All right. Enjoyed it. That's all for another episode of Permastoked. I hope you enjoyed listening or watching the show. Again, I'd like to say a big mahalo to Vince Durr for sharing his experiences surfing on the Great Lakes and for filming Unsalted. He mentioned that he has some future surf projects in mind, so I can't wait and I look forward to seeing what he might produce with today's updated technology and whatever he has in mind. You can connect with Vince on Twitter at Vince Durr, that's spelled B-I-N-C-E-D-E-U-R. And you can watch his videos on both Vimeo and his YouTube channel, while Unsalted, a Great Lakes Experience is available for purchase on Amazon. And we want to say a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasagas for providing us with our intro music, Hey Chihuahua, from their 2009 album entitled Crash Monster Beach and our outro music, End of Summer, off their 2017 album, Return of the Wasagas. Be sure to check them out and download their music on iTunes today. And we especially want to say mahalo to all you listeners out there. We're so grateful that you chose to join us for this episode, and we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future, because there are more episodes on their way. In the meantime, feel free to go back and listen to previous episodes. And if you enjoyed listening or watching the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review, and share with your family and friends over social media or by telling people about it. You can also watch the show by visiting our YouTube channel, Freshwater Surf Goods. To learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and to check out our products and services, visit freshwatersurfgoods.com. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter to stay up to date on new products, events, our SUP and yoga schedule, 
and other exciting news. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Freshwater Surf Kids. We are currently in need of artists and graphic designers to help us out with new product designs for the brand. We need photographers to provide some great lakes in both East Coast and West Coast surf photography. We need musicians for music on the podcast. We want to make this a real community effort and have you all be a part of it. Or if you have an idea for collaboration, would like to recommend a future guest, would like to invite me to an event or book me to teach SUP or yoga, or if you or your company are interested in being a sponsor of the show, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfkids.com. That's Derek spelled the Viking way. No double R's or C's, just D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfkids.com. And finally, Freshwater Surf Goods, our SUP school, Great Vibes Yoga, Meditation and Healing, and the Permastoke podcast are all currently based out of Vancouver, BC, with the intention of relocating to the Great Lakes region. My preference is to move somewhere along the coast of Lake Huron between Cardin and Savile Beach to get that good surf and be in the woods somewhere. But we are open to other coastal communities in Southern Ontario. If you have any advice on how I might bring my business there and get set up, I would be extremely grateful. Also, I understand that I may need to get a real job for a while, so my education and work background is primarily in Native community work, frontline emergency social service work, and coordinating both long-term and short-term nonprofit programs and projects. If you have any leads or suggestions around potential employment opportunities or relocation services, and how we might make the transition from the West Coast back to Ontario, it would be greatly appreciated. I look forward to next time and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, freshies. Keep surfing and stay stoked.